Welcome. If you're looking to unlock the secrets of the mind, to live a life that's free of care and anxiety, and to be the happiest you that you can be, then you're in the right place. This is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast. Hello and welcome to Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast with me, your host, Neil West, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and co-host, Hayley Kearns. Hi Hayley, how are you? Hi Neil, as ever, I am very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm fantastic. Can't smile wide enough. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're recording again in our local community centre where we deliver our youth mindfulness programme, so you will hear a bit of traffic, there's not a lot I can do about that, but hopefully, you know, you're mindful people, you can cope. Uh, and it's been a little while it since has, uh, since has. we've uh, recorded a, an episode of Growing the Good. I mean, in, in, in internet time, it's, it's you, you can get these programmes whenever you want, can't you? But in, in real Neil and Hayley time, it's been a little while. Um, We've been very busy though. We have been very back. Busy. It's been nice to be back with our doing people. good things, good yeah. things. So I thought it's kind of like a new season. Um, so my thinking was, in the spirit of beginner's mind, you know, that we approach things with a, a mind of not knowing. I wouldn't actually tell Haley what the <laughs> program's about. Um, but the fun thing will be, we'll kind of take turns. So sometimes Haley won't know what the program's about. <laughs> sometimes I won't know what the program's about. And on rare occasions, neither of you will know what the program's about. And we'll see what happens there. Um, so that's the kind of the plan for the new series, I yeah. think. So that might be quite fun. So, I'm going to begin with a story, and the, I, I kind of I planned this whole thing around the story because <laughs> Haley has not heard this story, and it is quite a shocking story. Okay. So um, Haley's reaction will be a natural reaction. Okay. So this is a it's a Zen story, and it's from Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition, so it's uh, it's worth sharing, okay. even though it's a bit grim. <clears throat> a couple and their young son were crossing a vast desert on their way to seek asylum in another land. But they hadn't planned well, and were only halfway across the desert when they ran out of food. Realising that all three of them would die in the desert, the parents made a horrifying decision. They decided to kill and eat their child. Every morning, they ate a morsel of his flesh, just enough for the energy to walk a little further. All the while crying, where's our little boy? They carried the rest of their son's flesh on their shoulders so it could continue to dry in the sun. Can't see Haley's face. Every night the couple looked at each other. Where is our beloved son now? They cried and pulled their hair and beat their chests with grief. Finally, they were able to cross the desert and arrive in the new land. So Haley, what do you think? You wanted a, um, my reaction, but uh, I'm I'm quite interested <laughs> in what this. Where is. are you going with oh, this yeah, one? Where, where is going this, this going? Yeah. Well, the question is: Do you think the parents enjoyed eating their children? Well. Or did no, it bring them great well, suffering? Well, yes, it did bring them great suffering, but uh, a bit disturbed me a bit whether we were allowing it. To to dry in the sun. <laughs> yeah, the details are a little grim, yeah. aren't they? So, the point of the story is that um, consciously or unconsciously, 
We are all the time eating our own children in the way that we live our lives. So it's, it's a, a commentary on consumerism. Okay. Um, it's an environmental message. It's an ancient one, but in the modern age, it resonates even more strongly that the things we are doing now for our own comforts are actually killing our children in the future because they're having to live with they will be the victims of the consequences of environmental change and climate change. So, you know, we're not perhaps literally eating our own children, but we are certainly doing a lot of harm to the children and their children that will come afterwards. So what do you think there? Yeah, I, I mean, I do get the, the premise of the story, and it is it is something, I think, that, that is becoming more and more something that you we think about, isn't it, when we contemplate the world that we are now creating and the damage that we do to it and also increasingly the younger generation are becoming more aware of that I mean mm -hmm. we do um, a session don't we sometimes with children about Greta Thunberg and, and, and her is it right to be angry and when is it right to be angry yeah. and, and how can anger be used to change the world for the better yeah because you say to children is it okay to be angry and they go no 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 um, but then so well, what about Greta Thunberg mm -hmm. what about protecting the Amazon rainforest, what about the kind of issues that young people care about? And then, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's, anger can be, if it's used not to harm people, but to change things for the better, um, an important mm. emotion, isn't it? Yeah, and, and they talk about um, suffragettes and Black Lives Matter and, you know, those kind of um, concerns, movements, traditions, protests and so on, civil rights and things, where anger has brought about change for the good. And again, we always come back to the fact that, you know, we, 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 every feeling and emotion that you have is, is valued, isn't it? It has to be valued. Because quite often, particularly when we work with young people, they assume initially that our aim is to make them happy mm -hmm. all of the time. And of course, that's not it, is it? It's about being able to sit with all of the emotions. And yeah. And then it's this misunderstanding of happiness. Um, which I'll come on to a little bit because um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who kind of brought that traditional story to us, he was interviewed in the Guardian newspaper, the UK Guardian newspaper, about 10 years ago, kind of talking about climate change and environmentalism even then, because there's a, there's a dichotomy in mindfulness in that, on the one hand, our traditions tell us you accept things as they are you know there's no good things or bad things things are as they are and we tell the story about the man and his horse Do you remember where the horse runs away and everybody in the village says oh you poor man you've lost your horse and then a few days later the horse comes back and it brings some wild horses with him and they say oh you lucky man you've got all these extra horses and all he ever says is hmm, perhaps and then when the horses are being trained his son falls and breaks his leg and has to be you know he can't work anymore and they say, oh, well, you know, poor man, your son can't work for you anymore, uh, perhaps. But then the army come looking for young men to join the army, and because he's in bed with a broken leg, they don't yeah. take him. And again, everybody says, well, you're lucky, man. So it's, it's you know, this idea in, in mindfulness, things are as they are. There's no good or bad. The universe doesn't kind of pick on you in a sense. Mm -hmm. Good things and bad things happen to people all the time. Um, so should we not do anything about environmental change? Do we just step back and say well this is just how things are and the world's on fire and there's nothing we can do about it 
or is that not a mindful thing? No, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And increasingly with us, like we, we do have this growing number of people that they have that um, environmental anxiety now, don't we? Mm. There are people that um, become consumed by the hope, what they see as the hopelessness of our situation, mm. and it, you know, they feel like their tiny place in the world and the bit that they can do isn't ever going to be enough for yeah, that. so what can I do about this situation? Yeah. It's overwhelming, isn't it? Mm. Um, so then I, I, I would take us back to, um, again, Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition of um, interbeing, this idea that you, are, you and I, none of us are individuals, that we are all part of the same thing. We're all part of the earth. Our bodies are made up of the same material that the earth is made up mm. of. We came from it and ultimately we go back to it. And that's true of all humanity, so we're all connected by essence in that we are all made of the same material. So therefore we should have more compassion for the earth, because the earth is us and we are the earth. So it's not a case of stepping back and saying, well, this is just the situation, there's nothing I can do about it. It's more about how this is our home and we should protect it because it's, it's where we live. Um, shall I tell you the, the article from The Guardian that's some oh, good yeah. ideas? Okay. So bear in mind this is about 10 years ago. Um, so Tina Han is seeking to create a spiritual revival that replaces our consumption-based lives with a return to a simpler, kinder world based on deep respect for each other and the environment. He rarely gives interviews but recognises the enormous challenges facing the world. Combined with his own increasing age and frailty, means it's important to use what time and energy he has left to contribute what he can to re-energizing society and protecting the planet. He writes, the situation the earth is in today has been created by unmindful production and unmindful consumption. We consume to forget our worries and our anxieties. Tranquilizing ourselves with overconsumption is not the way. So do you have a sense that in, particularly in Western societies, you know, it's always the next car, you know, redecorating the house, the holiday. Uh, we expect to have any food in the world at any time of year at our fingertips, regardless of seasonality or the conditions of producing the food. Um, and we just think that is our natural way of living, when in fact it's actually a very damaging way of living. Um, and, and sometimes, sorry, it just made me think because actually even if you go back to like when we were children the way the way that we can you know we are as, as consumers has changed dramatically hasn't it oh, you yeah, know yeah. gone are the days where the shops closed at five o'clock and they weren't open on a sunday yeah. and you could only get certain things at certain you know it's yeah. it's and everything comes wrapped in plastic yeah yeah um, you don't go and buy from the markets and have things in a paper bag anymore it's, no. it's all uh, sealed up in plastic and flown in from Zimbabwe or somewhere so you can have strawberries in March or no, no. so it's it ha you know things have moved on an awful lot isn't it and we are all part of that aren't we we are so he goes on to say everything we touch in our daily lives including our body is a miracle it shows us it is possible to live happily right here and right now if we wake up to this, we don't have to run after the things we believe are crucial to our happiness like fame and power and sex. If we stop creating despair and anger, we make the atmosphere healthy again. Maybe we have enough technology to save the planet, but it's not enough because people are not ready. 
This is why we need to focus on the other side of the problem, the pollution of the environment, not in terms of carbon dioxide, but the toxic atmosphere in which we live. So many people getting sick, many children facing violence and despair. So that's interesting, isn't it? That it's not just the geographical, physical climate change, yeah. it's the society that we've created around us that's toxic and damaging and pollutes us just as much as the actual chemicals that we're producing harm us. Yeah, definitely. And again, I always, I know I tend to look at these things from a young person's point of view, but as a parent and as an educator and a mm. mindfulness practitioner, you do always come back, don't you, to that generation and how, um, you know, how the challenges that they face with the, the way that they live in the media and and the way that they've got that the consumerism, commercialism, advertising, it's there 24 hours a day, isn't it, telling you, yeah. you have to buy this to be happy, or you have to wear that to be happy, or you have to go here to be happy. Yeah. But also that the contact with their peers is the same, isn't it, you know, with mobile phones and social media, they've got that contact with each other all the time, there's no... Mm. There's no time to reflect and, yeah. and, and be aware of your own place in, yeah. in, in, in the universe, I suppose. And that becomes, you know, it takes away those also those relationships sometimes with family and, and mm. things as well. It's it's, it's a, a lot of challenges, and you often think that our young people, you know, it's much harder for them mm. in certain ways, even though things are easier to get. Life has become physically easier, yeah, but, but perhaps emotionally. spiritually, mm. emotionally more difficult. It's our way of life, he says. Our style of living is the cause of it. We're looking for happiness and running after it in such a way that creates anger, fear and discrimination. So when you attend a retreat, you have a chance to look at the deep roots of this pollution, of the collective energy that's unwholesome to us. How can we change the atmosphere to get the energy of healing and transformation for us and our children? When the children come to the retreat, they can relax because the adults are relaxed. Here together we create a good environment and that is a collective energy. Tay says that the communities his order of interbeing are building around the world are intended to show that it is possible to live simply and happily, having the time to love and help each other. This is why we believe that if there are communities of people like that in the world, we'll demonstrate to the people and bring about an awakening so that people will abandon their course of comforts. If we can produce a collective awakening, we can solve the problem of global warming together we have to provoke that type of awakening. So it's encouraging people to see the error of our ways, that living this comfortable life is in effect killing and eating our own children at some point in the future. Yeah. And if the story filled you with horror at the beginning, then it should just fill you with as much horror now, even though we're not necessarily seeing it in the immediate present moment, it's inevitably going to happen as a consequence of what we're doing right now. To help the creation of a new global ethic and sustain those positive seeds, Tay's order of interbeing has been distilled. Their teachings make five mindfulness trainings. You know these five mindfulness trainings? I'll remind you. <laughs> Reverence for life, true happiness, true love, loving speech and deep listening, and nourishment and healing. Now clearly there's a lot, possibly a whole series of future programs yeah, to, to unpick each of those. 
but that's the teaching from Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition that if you follow those five principles those trainings of mindfulness then this will awaken us and awaken others to the situation that we're in and encourage people to live a simpler life ex experiencing true authentic happiness instead of the, the the kind of the commercial happiness that comes with consumption of products and holidays and lifestyles and things that don't bring us real authentic happiness in the end what do you think Lots I, yeah, play. but I do think it would be worth us exploring those five. Well, um, so does that mean are you running a practice? I have. Here? It's not quite a practice meditation. It's something no. a bit different that I've oh, got for you today. Full of surprises, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so Haley's got me the mindfulness bell, and what we have here, um, take that harm has produced a series of texts that are published in his book, Love Letters to the Earth, and they've been developed to be read aloud as part of a practice of touching the earth. Touching the earth is the name Tay has given to the practice of combining a contemplative text with a deep, mindful, full body prostration on the ground. So if you would like to, and it's safe to do so, feel free to lie down now to do this, uh, this, this practice. Um, it's safe for me. So it's safe for you. Haley's going to lie down and do this. We've got mindful cushions and everything. So you have to imagine now, after the trauma I caused Haley at the beginning with the gruesome story, she's now going to enjoy peace and relaxation as she's in contact with the earth. Dear Mother Earth, I bow my head before you as I look deeply and recognise that you are present in me and that I am a part of you. It is from you that I have been born, and you who are always present, offering me everything I need for my nourishment and growth. My mother, my father, and all my ancestors are also your children. It is your fresh air that we breathe, your clear water that we drink, your nourishing food that we eat, and your medicine herbs that heal us when we are sick. You have all the qualities of a mother. You are nothing less than the mother of all beings. I call you by the human name mother, and yet I know your mothering nature is more vast and ancient than humankind. We are just one young species of your many children. All the millions of other species who live or have lived on earth are also your children. You are not a person, but I know you are not less than a person either. You are a great being not in the form of a human, but in the form of a planet, a living, breathing being. Each species has its own language. Yet, as our mother, you can understand us all. And that is why you can hear me today. That is why I can open my heart to you and offer my prayer. Dear mother, wherever there is soil, water, rock or air, you are there, nourishing me and giving me life. You are present in every cell of my body. My physical body is your physical body. And just as the sun and the stars are present in you, they are also present in me. You are not outside me, and I am not outside you. You are more than just my environment. You are nothing less than myself. I promise to keep the awareness alive that you are always in me, and I am always in you. 
I promise to be aware that your health and well-being is my own health and well-being. I know I need to keep this awareness alive in me for us both to be peaceful, happy, healthy and strong. But sometimes I forget. Lost in the confusions and worries of daily life, I forget that my body is your body and sometimes even forget that I have a body at all. Unaware of the presence of my body and the beautiful planet around and within me, I am unable to cherish and celebrate the precious gift of your life you have given me. Dear Mother, it is my deep wish to wake up to the miracle of life. I promise to train myself to be present for myself, my life and for you in every moment. I know that my true presence is the best gift I can offer you, the one I love. I like I like that idea of letters to Yeah, that. so there's a series of them that you can share and read. Um, and it is a bit different to the practice mm. meditations that we've explored yeah. previously. Um, so there you go. Yes, thank you very much. Okay. So plenty to think horrified about. Me horrified you and enlightened you and delighted you in equal measure. Only one episode. Uh, and as ever, we'd like to know what you think about it. And we'd like to hear from you. And there are a number of ways that you can contact us, even though we keep having trouble with our email. <laughs> it's <laughs> working do. at the moment. You can, you can send things to it. We just struggle to get we into it. We struggle to get into it. But uh, we, we'll, we'll sort that out, don't you worry. Yeah. So if you do want to email us, we are at onetogethercic@gmail.com. Or, of course, we have our website, which is onetogethercic.co.uk, or you can find us, onetogethercic, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you can listen to other episodes of Growing the Good anywhere the podcasts are available. <laughs> but for now, this is Growing the Good, and we'll see you next, next time. time. This is Growing the Good, the mindful podcast.